You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. From Thursday night football in the NFL, Thursday night college football, high school football, and more. We're going to get to it all right here on Crunch Time, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Steelers and Browns live in Cleveland tonight uh, in, a, in a rainy Cleveland, Ohio. We'll see how that affects the game. Uh, you can catch that game right here on the game, as well as the Brian Kelly Coaches Show tonight at 7 o'clock, live from TJ Ribs. What's going on, Matt Miguez here, producer, co-host James Mesh. James, buddy, I don't know if I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, there, there's a there's a little a little something developing in the Gulf or or south of the Gulf that could uh, have have some fun with us next week. Yeah, it could affect things. Yeah. A little bit. So uh, that'll be interesting. It will be. That'll be interesting. Um, you know, I, I really thought as we got here in, into late September that we'd kind of dodged a bullet. Oh, that's what you thought. But, uh, you know, as, I guess that's what I get. We haven't, got, we haven't gotten there yet, but it is something to monitor. Yeah, it's definitely a long ways out. A lot can change, but uh, definitely something to look for uh, and to look at over the next couple of days. So here's what's going to go down today. 4.30, Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us to preview the Cajuns responding against ULM this weekend in Monroe. And at 5.30, Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com will join us. We'll talk everything high school football for our six local stations broadcasting high school football tonight and tomorrow. We're also going to get into the Ime Udoka story. We're going to do that a little bit later on in the show, though. Right now, let's get to the LSU news. So the NCAA has placed LSU football on a one-year probation and issued a three-year show cause to former offensive line coach James Craig, who was fired in June of 2021 after he admitted violating NCAA rules. And in August, a state judge awarded him nearly $500,000 after ruling that LSU had terminated his contract without cause. In addition to the probation, LSU had already self-imposed a $5,000 fine, a one-week probation in recruiting communication and unofficial visits, and a reduction in official visits and evaluation days. This is a statement from the university. Today's decision of the NCAA's Committee on Infractions involving a former LSU assistant football coach concludes a 21-month cooperative process between the university and the NCAA. Throughout the process, the university has worked in concert with the enforcement staff to determine the truth and to self-impose sanctions. We are grateful to the community and the enforcement we are grateful to the committee and the enforcement staff for their work and for accepting our self-imposed penalties, and we are pleased to be able to move forward as an institution and as a football program. LSU continues to work through the IARP process regarding other allegations of rule violations. And that is, of course, the the Title IX issues and, and everything else stemming from former head coach Ed Ogeron and a multitude of others. James, I'll bring you in now, you know, 
on this topic. So what what ended up happening was James Craig met with a prospect during a COVID dead period and gave him team gear. Ugh. That that's that's what happened. Um so that's where all of this is stemming from. The the issue obviously is you can't meet with a recruit during a dead during period. A dead period. Kind um, of the whole point of a dead period. Right. Um, so do, do you think this, this is a fair punishment from the NCAA? The, the fine or the one year? All of it. <sighs> who, was, who was the prospect again? Uh, Did it specify? It doesn't say, no. Yeah, no, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, tell, it doesn't tell us who the, who the prospect is. I can see why they're doing it. I don't think that it was a necessity to do a one year. But, I mean, there's been so much else going on with LSU and the, then, the last and that's few gonna, years. And, and, that, and that probably played into it a little bit. Um, but, you know, you're, you're going to see much harsher penalties for the university coming down the line uh, for, for, the, for the Title IX allegations that are, that are against the, the program. Another thing that I, I got to cover that I, I find very disturbing a student at the University of Utah was arrested yesterday after she threatened to detonate a nuclear reactor on campus if Utah lost to San Diego State this weekend. Yeah, I, I had seen that. Um, how stupid can you be? How stupid can you be? I mean, you could say I would set a bush on fire or, or what? I'm going to detonate a nuclear reactor. But even then, why would like, you threaten? Why would you threaten the school? Why? For what? That's idiotic. If we had a segment for idiot of the day, it would go to her. I mean, that is, oh my God, that's horrible. Anyways, game hotline 706-0111 here in Acadiana. Don't forget to watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So we got the Steelers and Browns tonight in Thursday Night Football. You also have three college football games on the slate for tonight. West Virginia and Virginia Tech. Coastal Carolina and Georgia State battle it out on the Sun Belt. And then you have the Illinois Fighting Illini against the Chattanooga Mocs. But before we do that, let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Chad, what's up? Oh, not too much, man. The, the chick that uh, swore to blow up or take off the uh, atomic bomb, whatever. Dude, I work at ExxonMobil in Baton Rouge. You need so many credentials to get in there. There's so much security. She couldn't pass it. She couldn't even get through the first gate uh, of that. So even though you threaten it, I mean, you can't threaten none of these days. Anything you swear, uh, it's going to come back to haunt you. And also, the uh, LSU guy, and it was the offensive lineman <clears throat> that uh, Clemson um, actually ended up signing that the uh, allegations were against. Well, not against, but it was offensive lineman. Um, they, they were in the coach's neighborhood, and he – 
came a, a, a pack or a suitcase full of LSU gear. Um, but it's, it's, it's nothing against the program. It's a slap on the wrist. Uh, I think they're going to get their five hundred thousand dollars back that they that they paid, but they're going to get it back. Uh, but this is just a little slap on the wrist, man. I, and when the allegations come against LSU, the real ones, I, I, honestly, I don't think it's going to be nothing major. Does that personally? I don't think it's going to be nothing on the football program because it had nothing really to do with them. Today's the one that really came out with the LSU program, and the stuff against Will Wade. I think it's going to be a couple of years, maybe probation couple of scholarships, but the boosters are paid for those kids uh, to get on campus and play basketball, man. Thank you. Appreciate the call. So I think the punishment against the football team is going to be a, a little more serious than some people think. You know, do, do we remember the Darius Geis incident where he, he shoved a Superdome worker, an elderly Superdome worker, and – the university paid to cover that up? That'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see the direction that, that goes. James, here's a story that I'll, I'll throw your way. Sean Payton says on the New Orleans.football podcast that he would be interested in returning to the NFL in 2023 if it's the right situation. Well, yeah. We all knew that it's not. It, this wasn't going to be a long-term thing. You just wanted a break, which I, I I completely understand. You've been coaching for the last, and you've been coaching for the same team, and it you felt like there's been somebody over your shoulder, kind of trying to hold you back, and and that being the league, pretty much. But I'm I'm not surprised, and that's why I've been saying the Chargers. It feels like if they are the ones to fall apart. That feels like one of the best situations. Got a, you got a young, really talented quarterback who is still on his rookie deal. You have a really good supporting cast around him. Nice defense. And then it's in L.A. <laughs> like You can't get much better of a situation if it is to be someone like the Chargers. But there are other potential situations that could pop up for him in 2023 if he is to try and return to coaching. Another intriguing NFL story. How about the Baltimore Ravens signing Jason Pierre-Paul to aid the pass rush? Does he maybe have one more season in in the tank? I mean, Pierre-Paul. I think he could. I think he could have a little bit of an impact still. I mean, he's thirty. He's only thirty-three. So I mean, he still he still has to have a little bit of gas left in the tank. But I, I gotta imagine. That torn rotator cuff that he suffered last year is going to hinder him a little bit. We'll see. That'll be interesting. Um, the The contract details aren't – it's a one-year contract with the Ravens. And so they were down to only two outside linebackers on their 53-man. So they, they bring Jason Pierre-Paul in to kind of add some depth. Interested to see what happens there. Poll question of the day, Facebook and Twitter. Who wins Thursday Night Football tonight? Is it the Steelers or is it the Browns? We want to hear your thoughts on that matchup. Uh, So once again, Facebook and Twitter to get in on that. Uh, Ralph Bergeron tagged us in, in in a tweet talking about, we were talking about stupid people. He said, why would you call the Paul Feinbaum show and admit you poisoned the trees at Toomer's Corner? 
you can't fix stupid. You ever heard that story, James? It sounds familiar, but I can't remember so, all the details. So the Auburn Alabama rivalry. Yeah. Uh a Alabama fan went to Auburn and poisoned the legendary oak trees on Auburn's campus at Toomer's Corner. And then called into Paul Feinbaum's national simulcasted radio show. To let him know that they did and, it. And he said, I did it. Nice. So guess where that man is now? The Alabama State Penitentiary. <laughs> He's in prison. Because it was a felony to poison the oak trees at Auburn. Oh, he—he's exactly right. You—you you can't fix stupid. Oh man. Anyways, let's take a timeout right here on Crunch Time, and when we return, James Mesh and I will look at the college football scoreboard for tonight. Three games on the schedule. We'll look at them, break them down, and give you our picks for those three games right here on the game. 2037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, Crunch Time. Right here on the game, it's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The world famous Angola Prison Rodeo is back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets. Lasso a family four pack of tickets to the Sunday, October 2nd show by simply texting the word rodeo to 337 283 8100. That's 337 283 8100. Text rodeo. For a family four-pack of tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 20 minutes after the hour. James, let's look at the three college football games on the schedule for tonight. And we will start with the Mountaineers of West Virginia and the Hokies of Virginia Tech at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. This game's interesting. Because Virginia Tech, by the way, head coached by former Raging Cajuns defensive coordinator Brent Pry. Um, so the Hokies, 2-1 and one on the year. Grant Wells is their quarterback. For those of you not familiar, Grant Wells was the quarterback at Marshall last year against the Cajuns in the New Orleans Bowl. So Grant Wells is the quarterback. Their offense doing okay, averaging 24 points a game. Uh, their defense only giving up 12 points a game. So far through three games, pretty impressive numbers. Man, you look at West Virginia, 46 points per game. I was going to say, looking at their stats leaders, they're popping off right now. They're scoring at some incredible clips. However, their defense is giving up 33 a game. So they're scoring a lot, but people are also scoring a lot against them. But do you know what's interesting about uh, West Virginia's quarterback? JT Daniels. JT Daniels, yeah, he was at Georgia last year. Yeah, but he was also one of the quarterbacks to go along with the let's ride trend. Oh, yeah. You remember that? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, JT Daniels was he, – he's not West Virginia. He was at Georgia last year, and then he was at USC before that. 
Uh, so looking at West Virginia's season so far, they lost a pit in the backyard bowl, in the backyard brawl, excuse me, in week one. Or that was, yeah, that was week one. Week two, you fell to Kansas in overtime. And then last weekend, you got on the winning train by crushing Towson 65 to 7. And then on the other side, Virginia Tech, they opened their season with a Sunbelt loss to Old Dominion 20 to 17 before beating Boston College and Wofford to put them at 2 and 1. James, West Virginia is a two and a half point favorite with an over under of 50. West Virginia might break that on their own. Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards West Virginia with this one. I am too. I am too. Because I, I know usually whenever you have like a really good defense versus a really good offense, you feel like the defense will win, but I don't know, dude. feels like the West Virginia, the Mountaineers, feels like they're just a little too explosive for this. Yeah. Especially I'm, especially with Virginia Tech who they haven't played great competition. No, not yet. Not but, yet. But but they they have had their struggles on offense. Yeah. They they 100% have. You usually you would lean in this case toward the defensive team, but for me I I got to go with West Virginia. Yeah, West, West Virginia is going to be a little too much for them, but I'm interested to watch this game though because if you look at it like we talked about West Virginia's Scoring 46 points a game, Virginia Tech's only given up 12. Great offense versus great defense. Interested to see how that plays out, but I am going to lean towards the the Mountaineers in this one. Um, It's going to be interesting because we usually talk about the strength on strength, but what about the the other side? So in this case, what about Virginia Tech's offense versus West Virginia's defense? Who steps up in that one? That's that's going to be the difference maker. That's true. That's true. The Sun Belt game tonight. How about Georgia State versus Coastal Carolina? How is Coastal only two and a half point favorites? Because Georgia State is a much better team than their 0 and 3 record indicates. I know, but. And Coastal lost a lot. A lot. I, I don't know. I mean, I'll put it to you this way their leading receiver so far this season is a Georgia State transfer. Yeah. They still have Grayson McCall, who is a lot. You have Reese White in the backfield who contributed for you last year. And Reese, I don't know if you've done the numbers, but the man's almost averaging seven yards a carry. Yeah, he's having a good year. He's having an insane He's having year. a good year. But here's the thing. You look at Georgia's last you – know, you look at their first three games. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to North Carolina. The North Carolina game was only a touchdown game. And then you played a good Charlotte team and only lost by one. So, yeah, they're 0-3. But they're a talented group. Sean Elliott's a good coach. Darren Granger's having a good year at quarterback, completing over 50% of his passes, eight touchdowns to only two interceptions. Tucker Gregg is one of those powerful runners. And then you look at at their leading receiver, Jermaine Thrash, or Jamari Thrash, he's already got 336 yards on the year through three games. So, I mean, they're putting up numbers. They're averaging 27.7 points a game. The problem is that they're giving up 37 points a game. But then again, those numbers are a little skewed because you've played both South Carolina and North Carolina already. Two-and-a-half-point favorite in Atlanta. I'm going the Panthers. I'm going Georgia State. I'm going Coastal. I I even go with it with the spread. 
I don't know. I, I think they can win by four plus. I think they can win by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm gonna take. I, I, that's gonna be a fun one too. I'm interested to see how that plays out as well. And then the last one of the night: Illinois and Chattanooga. Illinois two and one, Chattanooga three and zero. Oh. You know, you look at it. It, it this one's. I mean, it's it's not close. It's not close. Chattanooga's three and zero. Oh. That's great. However, the, they're the, on the, the same level. The talent as Illinois. gap is <laughs> massive. There's a reason that Illinois is a 21 point favorite going into this game. Uh, Illinois runs away with this one. I agree. Chattanooga might hang around for the half, but the second half it's going to be all Illini, and they run away with it. That's oh man, Tommy DeVito. All right, Steelers and Browns. We talked about it a little bit. Let's dive deeper into it. You know, you look at the Browns, and I'm actually I'm actually going to say this. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what they've done. They've been able to stay afloat. Which is all you ask for them to do. Yeah. That's all you ask of Jacoby Brissett is just don't keep, don't sink. keep it with keep it within the game. Yeah, don't sink. Keep it close. Because I mean, look, if they keep trekking the way they are, they could be five and six when Deshaun comes back. Here's the thing, though, with the Browns, they've started off strong in their in their two games so far, and then you see collapses. They were able to get a last second field goal against the Panthers to avoid the upset. Yeah, but they had an utter collapse against Joe Flacco and the Jets last week. So that's two weeks in a row where they have a lead early, but they're not able to maintain it. So I, I feel like that could be that should play a big part of it. Also, Mitchell Trubisky, he hasn't thrown two hundred yards in a game yet. See, that was not only that. Look at Najee Harris's numbers. He's averaging less than three yards a carry, and his longest is eleven. He hasn't even hit a hundred yards yet. They've played two games. This offense is out of sorts. They're not right. I think I think there's a possibility that could happen tonight. I think if Trubisky struggles again and they're down by eight, like like two scores but not 14, two touchdowns, I think you could see maybe they go to Kenny Pickett. And you, you see, I was just about to bring that up. I saw I saw an NFL analyst say that, uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking at, the Steelers situation, you know, you talked about all all season how underdeveloped and you know not ready Kenny Pickett was. I read a quote from an NFL analyst: "You can't tell me that Kenny Pickett's worse than Mitchell Trubisky. You can't tell me. There's no way. I mean, I've I've always said Mitchell Trubisky is so overrated. He's terrible. I think what well with me and what I was talking about how." I think there was just so much public scrutiny towards Mitch that it almost felt like, well, you can take away like him being the number two overall pick because people are already saying, well, he's he's terrible. So at that point, you can't overrate him if it's almost unanimous that he sucks. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it's like there, there's so much negativity towards him. It's like, okay, well, at this point, you almost can't say he's overrated because how bad do you have to be and still be considered overrated. It's true. 
That's true. Um, so going back to the poll question, who wins out of the Steelers and Browns? So far, 60% of you say the Cleveland Browns, while 40% say the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Ton comes in with a Futurama gif and says, ha, 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 oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. I mean, th- this is this is one of those games that you look at. So, like, it, it was great because last week Amazon, you know, talked about how their ratings were through the roof and it was a great first week and blah, blah, blah. It, it also the Chiefs sucked. and the Chargers. I was going to say it sucks because it was such a good matchup last week, but now you have this. Oh, you're going to have such a dip because the casual NFL fan is going to look at this matchup and, and go, they're going to turn it off. Who cares? The, if they do watch it, you could probably see them turning it off. I mean, Very I'm, soon. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll I'll check it out. I'll probably be watching college football more, though. This might be like a 6-3 game at halftime. I might be watching because that, that Coastal Carolina-Georgia State game really intrigues me. Oh, it, it intrigues me, too. So I might be watching that one tonight. But uh, anyways. If you, we'll, had to give a, if you had to give a score. Of the Steelers-Browns? Yeah. Browns win 24-14. Wow, I was actually gonna go under. I'm, I'm saying I think maybe the Steelers win. Kenny Pickett comes back and saves the game for them, and they win seventeen thirteen. They win twenty four to fourteen. All right, before we take a break, James, there was a there was a tweet from Jeff Duncan that you wanted to uh, that you wanted to hit on regarding the the Saints Panthers game on Sunday. Yeah. So I mean, we had talked about Sean Hockley. That was the referee crew last week for the Saints Bucks game, and last year they were the second most penal uh, crew that throws penalties. They were second in the league in penalties thrown in 2021. This week, the Saints Panthers game, they will have Carl Sheffers, the Carl Sheffers crew. And what's interesting about them? They throw on average 14 penalties a game. 14 flags, which just won up the hockey league crew. Led the league last year. And they led the league last year. So if you're if you wanna if you want to do an over under, if there's a possibility on whatever sports book you do, and there's a possibility of like the miscellaneous ones of penalties, whatever it is, you could probably you could probably go over. (laughs) We we may see an over, especially with how we know how the history of referees and throwing mysterious flags out of nowhere yeah you know the the league's out to get the saints it's confirmed we'll take a time out right here when we return jay walker longtime voice of the louisiana raging cajuns will join us for cajuns corner we'll preview cajuns versus warhawks right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros going deep downfield he's got a receiver it's caught Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Bird, how are you, sir? I'm having a wonderful time. You sure? Yeah. All right. All right. I, you know, I, I, I got up this morning. I was breathing. I was upright. I'm still six feet tall. I'm good. The tone didn't sound right. I was just just checking on you, bud. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so you know, Cajuns fell to Rice, thirty-three to twenty-one. Snapped the nation's longest winning streak. Uh, one positive you can take away is that the, the the pressure and the the conversation of the winning streak can can be put to bed. But one thing that, that stood out to me, Jay, Cajuns' offense looked flat against Rice. Well, you know, they got very they, they got poor quarterback play from both quarterbacks. You know, and that was coming a week after getting very good quarterback play from the two quarterbacks, and why they scored forty nine points. Um, they also got, uh, you know, the, the offensive line is is a work in progress, and I thought they took a step backward uh, in the game uh, against Rice. When you do that, when you do those two things, well, you're going to look flat, and um, you know, quarterback play's got to be better. The offensive line's got to play better, and they got to, you know. They can't keep the defense on the field for 40 minutes, uh, which is what happened um, on Saturday. But, you know, I, I'm not – I don't buy into the, the, the pressure of the winning streak was was too much. I, I don't buy into that. They had a game where you found out just how little margin for error you have when you go out and play football with the, the 2022 Raging Cajuns, at least so far. And and we 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 found out. Yeah, you, you, you're not wrong there. Uh, you know, looking at the defense, you talked about it. They spent 40 minutes on the field against the Owls. They made some uncharacteristic penalties, including a couple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Now we we've heard the the extenuating circumstances that forced those. But you know, all in all, the the defense played fairly well against the Owls. Yeah. You know, I, I I thought they played fine. They were just on the field too long, and that enabled Rice, especially you know later in the game, to sustain a drive or two. And and you know you're right. They had uh, they had some penalties. Look at you know an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or a personal foul penalty when when you're reacting to something that somebody else did. You know, I and you know I I don't want to get too graphic, but if if somebody decided to to assault me from behind during the course of a game, guess what? I'm probably going to turn around and punch the guy. Um, and, and so I get that. Here's, here are the penalties that are killers. Offside, illegal formation, false start. You know, these are undisciplined penalties. Those are the things that really have to be eliminated because the Cajuns have had too many of those the last two weeks. Yeah. You know, you, you bring up a good point with the, with the offside penalties and the illegal formations and whatnot. And, and obviously that's an easy fix for the coaching staff. You know, what, what's been the process for, for Michael Desermo, you know, since Saturday night, getting these guys to regroup, getting back on track and, and, you know, cleaning some of those mental things up. Well, you know, I, I think the position coaches are responsible for that. I mean, the, the head coach obviously can say whatever he has to say, but but in practice, the position coaches have got to work with the offensive line to make sure nobody jumps. You know, the the defensive line coach has got to work with his guys. The outside linebackers coach got to work with his guys uh, to make sure that that those things don't happen. You know, there were, you know, there's penalties of aggression. You know, pass interference, for instance, is one of those. Um, I, I think coaches can live with that, but man, the unforced penalties or the penalties, dead ball penalties, 
man, those those just drive coaches crazy. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. All right, Jay, I know you're going to get aggravated with this question, so I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, stretch it out too long. You look at Chandler Fields, you look at Ben Woolridge through three games. Neither one of them played well against Rice, like you mentioned. Both have played well in the previous two games, but it seems like trajectory-wise, Ben's got a little bit of an edge in a, statist- in a statistics standpoint. And, and I heard somebody say that it feels like Chandler Fields is looking over his shoulder. You see a quarterback uh, oh, controversy up. coming? No, just shut up. I, <laughs> I say that in love. You know, that's what I've been saying to people who are bringing this stuff up. Look, these guys are three games into their college career playing football for the Cajuns. I'm not talking about being in practice for two years. I'm talking about being on the field. I think to suggest that Chandler Fields is looking over his shoulder, somebody better come up with some evidence of that. Otherwise, it's just somebody talking out of their head. Um, the Look, neither one of them played well Saturday. They both played well the week before. Now, Ben's got a little bit better completion percentage. But my gosh, you know, all of the fans after the first game were asking why Wilderidge was playing. So, so shut up, you know. Let this thing play out. The coaches know what they're doing in this particular regard. There's a reason why both of them are playing. Coach has explained it more than once why both guys are playing. And until such time, as one guy becomes so much better than the other, they're both going to continue to play. Fair enough. Let's move on to ULM. You know, let's look at the quarterback room for the Warhawks. Chandler Rogers, uh, a, a great quarterback for the Warhawks. He's got good skill players around him. Talk to me about this Warhawk offense. Isn't it interesting? Because it's not necessarily a common name, but you've got two guys in Chandler who are starting quarterbacks for their respective teams. Yep. Um, he's he's pretty good. You know, he split time with Rodriguez's kid last year. Um, Rich Rodriguez, of course, over at Jacksonville State now. So the job is his. He was the much better passer of the two. He's got a little bit of experience under his belt now. Um, you know, he's got he's got a guy, great name, on the all-name team. He's got a guy named Boogie Knight at wide receiver, who's also the kick returner and the punt returner, who's got the capability of stretching the field. Uh, most, of their, most of the other guys are, are possession-type guys. They've got uh, they've got two backs who are pretty decent running the football. I don't think they're as good as the Cajun, the first two Cajun backs, but but they're they're very serviceable. Um, you know, they're they're ULM from the regard of two years ago. They were about as bad a football team as there was in America, and and they're two years removed from that. You know, I don't think I don't think they're a great team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're a better team. I don't know that they have a heck of a lot of depth. I think their first 22 are pretty pretty decent. But but after that, I'm not real sure. Um, and I think and very hard to judge them because they've played Texas and Alabama, and they've played Nichols. So it, it's kind of like, kind of like Rice was in that they're going to play somebody just like them for the first time this year. And so you can't look at statistics if you haven't looked at tape. Then it's, then it's pretty hard to put a gauge on this. Um, 
I, but I do think they, I, I do think their talents increased uh, since two years ago. And look, here's here's the other thing, Matt. With exception of two years ago when their program was in shambles, and with exception of 2016 when we played in the worst rainstorm I've ever been a part of in college football, these games are always one-score games. There's nothing that tells me this won't be the same thing come Saturday. I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, you talked about the, the two years ago when ULM was 0-10. They bring in Terry Bowden 4-8 and last year. You talked about their start to this year. Obviously, playing Texas and Alabama two out of the first three weeks doesn't bode well for your win-loss record. It does bode well for your pocketbook, though. Um, you know, Terry Bowden, from, from my perspective, seems like he's slowly turning around the Warhawks. They have a lot of passion. They never quit. You know, he's he's got the guys buying into his process. Maybe he could he could do something in Monroe. Terry Bowden's a good football coach. You know, there's a reason why he coached in the SEC, and it wasn't because, you know, his daddy wrote a letter to somebody. Uh, the man could coach football. You know, when he, when he left there, you know, he was, he was out for a while, and then he coached at North Alabama, and, and, and he won there at the Division II ranks. He went to Akron. That is a terrible football program. He got Akron into a bowl game. So the man can coach football, and he's got a couple of guys around him who can coach football too? Vic Kennig, their their defensive coordinator. This guy's been coaching football in Division One for about seventy five years. I mean, the guy the guy's been around for Ron West is on his staff. Ron West was Nelson Stokely's defensive coordinator back in the eighties at USL. So you got some veteran coaches that are on that staff, uh, and and a few young coaches who you know who are full of vinegar. And and want to full of enthusiasm and full of energy. Um, I'm not surprised that they've improved the way they have. They have some good coaches on that staff. Jay, give me the keys to the game for the Cajuns. Well, the, the quarterbacks have to play well. Okay, you know the one thing the Cajuns don't have the luxury of is. If the quarterbacks have a, a bad day, then the running backs are going to go run for 280. All right, because that, that offensive line is still a work in progress. So the quarterbacks have to play well if the Cajuns are going to have a chance to win. Um, that means that they have to sustain drives. They have to keep time of possession relatively even and allow their defense to do what their defense is capable of doing. I still think this is a very good defensive football team that the Cajuns have. I also think that they are a defense that's very opportunistic. They've already shown that they can take away uh, the football. I mean, they're plus nine in three games. And so if the defense doesn't get worn down because the offense can't move the football, they can help this team win. I also think the Cajuns, if there's one place that they have an advantage in this game, I think it's in the kicking game. Uh, I think that this is a, a, a night maybe – where the Cajuns might get something in the return game, both on kickoff returns and punt returns. Um, I also think that, that they've got the capability of pinning ULM back with the weapons that the Cajuns have. I think that that's the place where the Cajuns are the better football team, is in the kicking game. And so I think they need to use that to their advantage. Lastly, Coastal Georgia State tonight, who wins? 
Um, man, you know, that's a really, really good question because before the season started, and heck, I think I did it, I, I know I did it with Ray, and I think I might have done it with you too. We started talking about the East, and we talked about App, and we talked about Marshall. And I said, look out for Georgia State. And Georgia State has managed to lose all three games that they've played. They were right there with North Carolina and didn't get, didn't get it done. And then they lost to a really bad Charlotte football team last week. They probably were overlooking them taking a look at this, at this game with Coastal. This, game, this game's in Atlanta, um, and I think that's going to help them. And I, I still, Coastal hasn't lost, but, but I'm, still not, I'm still not sold on how good that team is. Uh, Coastal, I think, is minus two and a half in that game. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a betting man, but even if I was, I'd leave this game alone. Um, but if you put a gun to my head and said I had to pick one, I'd lay two and a half and, take, and I'd take Coastal. Fair enough, Jay Bird. Appreciate you taking the time each and every week, man. Have a great call up in Monroe, and we'll do it again next week. Thanks so much for having me on Go Cajuns. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajuns Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back as Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Okay, Matt. I want to get to something real quick. We, we had hinted at it earlier. We had foreshadowed it. It's this Ime Odaka being suspended for the whole year. I mean, you're a Pelicans fan, but for me as a Celtics fan, this is hella frustrating. Oh, it's, it's certainly not good news. No. And it's, it's the whole situation itself is interesting. I don't know how else to put it, really. But the fact that Ime Odoka had, quote unquote, improper intimate and consensual relationship with a female member of the Celtic staff, which it's pretty common practice to have rules against having relationships with a coworker. But if that's the case, I don't think it's worthy of a whole year suspension. Usually it would just be, here's a fine. Here's a slap on the wrist. If you do suspend somebody, Maybe it's a couple games. Maybe you do it for the first week or two at most. But the whole 2022-2023 season, there has to be something else. When it comes to these reports, even when the initial reports hit last night at, what, 10 p.m.? Yeah, it was late. The Woj bomb didn't, it was very vague and didn't give us a lot of information. Yeah, it says the relationship is considered a violation of the organization's guidelines. However, the proposed penalty for Yudoka is largely unprecedented for a sitting head coach in the NBA. So here's here's my take on this. So obviously, you know, probably shouldn't have a relationship with a coworker. Probably not. That's that's fair. Here's here's my here's my take. It had to have happened at the facility. 
it had to have happened while the team was around. Like you think they did things while right. while in the building. That That's the only thing I could think of that would warrant a year-long suspension. Which to me makes that's- sense because not only is he married, but <laughs> since 2010 he's been with Nia Long, but there's there's always something about finer details that they never bring up at first and, and that and could I'm, be one of that could be something that may be in the mist we don't know and i'm also pretty certain that the female staffer is married as well i, I haven't i, I, I haven't i, read I haven't somewhere. seen any disclosed information of who exactly it is well they're they not said, going to yeah they had said there's like one or two of them that people thought it was but isn't so you can maybe nail it down but even then i mean we don't know. Here, here's the question. Do you trust Joe Missoula to lead the team? We, we'll have to see. I'll, I'll have to look at it. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two on the other side. Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com joins us right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two in the books, or getting started, should I say, Crunch Time right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James won't spend too much time on this, but it is intriguing. Aaron Judge could make history tonight. There is a chance. If he hits a home run tonight, he ties Roger Maris's AL record for 61 home runs in a single season. Um, if you had to bet on it, do you think he does it? Yeah, I do. You think it's tonight? I don't know that it's tonight. But that's what I'm I'm saying. Do you think think he does it tonight? Yeah, why not? Why not? I'll say it's delayed a couple nights. I think it happens either Saturday or Sunday. Here's the other thing that's impressive. He could be... Right now, he's he's winning in the Triple Crown conversation. So the, the, the three major Triple Crown categories are his batting average... Home runs and RBIs. Right now, Aaron Judge has a 317 batting average with 60 homers and 128 RBIs. Those three numbers lead the majors. Or lead the American League. Or yeah. So but that's interesting because there have only been twenty seven triple crown winners. In the history of baseball. So Aaron Judge, once again, you know, besides the 60 home runs in a season, he could join some elite company by being a Triple Crown winner. He would only be the second Triple Crown winner of this century. Uh, The last one was Miguel Cabrera in 2012. So, again, Aaron Judge has multiple ways he can make history over the next couple of weeks going into the postseason. Looking at the Jimmy Garoppolo news, 
So, James, first of all, it's crazy that a team lost its starting quarterback and got better. <laughs> oh, the team morale is at an all-time high with them. Which, which sucks. That's terrible. Like, you're... you're your starting quarterback. Everybody, everybody was so against. Even even 49ers legends were against Trey Lance. And maybe so. But the guy breaks his ankle, and now team morale's at an all-time high. And people are excited. Like, dude, that's so wrong. That's so wrong on so many levels. I mean, I get it. You want your team to succeed and blah, blah, blah. But you you can't be happy that a guy got hurt. That's just, but anyways. So now Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start. And what's interesting is you look at his contract that he signed a few weeks back. He accepted a deal that only paid him $6.5 million in guaranteed money. But it comes with quite a few bonuses. Including a certain percentage of snaps taken. Correct. So every, so this is... This is the bonuses that he can earn on top of his salary. Every week, the Garoppolo is on the active roster. He doesn't have to start. Just on the active roster. $29,000 in bonus money. Up to $500,000 in bonus roster money is what he's projected to earn. For every game that Garoppolo takes at least 25% of the snaps at quarterback, he'll get $250,000. So he got a quarter of a million last week for for taking more than 25% of the snaps. If he stays healthy, he'll be getting a $250,000 bonus in each of his next 15 game checks. $400 million. $4 million. I was going to say, it's it's a quarter million. Yeah, $4 million. Yeah. Unless he he gets injured himself. But that that is the projection. An extra $4 million on top of his six and a half. Yeah. So right right now you're sitting at about... Eleven million because you got the five hundred thousand for being on the roster. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're sitting at about eleven million, and then on top of the two hundred fifty thousand, every game that the Niners win, <laughs> he gets a win. That bonus. Garoppolo plays at least twenty five percent of the snaps. There's an extra hundred grand thrown in, so we could see an extra million in there. Yeah, so, so we could see twelve. So this article explaining it says, for the purpose of this exercise, we'll say the Niners win ten games, a million dollars. So in a nutshell. If Garoppolo plays 25% of the snaps in a game and the Niners win, he'll earn $350,000 in bonus money each week plus his $29,000 roster bonus. That is more than double his base salary per game. <laughs> Dude, it it's... I mean... So Garoppolo can earn $5.5 million on top of that $6.5 million. And just by doing what he did last year. Exactly. Just by doing what he did last year. So I have a question. I like Jameis. You like Jameis. So on and so forth. Okay. Would you have taken Jimmy Garoppolo if you had the chance? There's a lot of circumstances that comes with that. Because even though Jimmy was on the trade market the whole off season, they had a certain number, 
And I don't know if I would have reached that number because even though Jimmy's not the best guy on the field by a stretch, it's still the fact that you have to look at his resume. He he's gone to oh, the he's Super done Bowl. It. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He's made he's some multiple a, NFC championship he's games. He's brought his teams to two NFC championships. He's played in a Super Bowl. Like that that raises his price. He won a Super Bowl as a backup. It's like I for me, I feel like for what I feel like I'd be getting, I feel like I, I would just stay with my guy. Because I feel like with Jameis, I have more potential. I feel like I have a certain cap when it comes to to Jimmy. That's my thing. That's fair. I'd have taken him. I, I get where you're coming from, and it probably wouldn't have worked out. But if the Saints would have had the opportunity to sign him or, or trade for him, I, I would have taken him. No question. Um, but I, I, I've been posed a question. But I also don't even know if they really like really wanted to get rid of him. Because obviously you've, well, clearly, you've heard the you've heard these 49ers they weren't they were fans high and you on hear Trey the Lance. yeah no, no you heard the 49ers fans you hear the 49ers legends saying like I don't think he's ready so if the, if that's all the case then I feel like that was just all the big smoke screen to maybe see if someone would overprice for him overpay and then it's yep. like okay well yeah we'll do it otherwise no we're just gonna keep him because until we see that Trey Lance is the guy we'll just have him as insurance. It was, just all, it was just all a ploy just to see what they could get. That's fair. So I've, I've been posed a question by a, uh, by a listener. Okay. Talking about, the, talking about our Jimmy Garoppolo conversation. He says, is Jimmy Garoppolo this generation's Mark Sanchez? <laughs> Sanchez went to three straight AFC championship games. Jimmy Garoppolo has two NFC championship appearances and a Super Bowl appearance. I don't know that I would say that... Jimmy Garoppolo didn't butt-fumble. Jimmy Garoppolo does not butt-fumbled, no. Um, and and also, I, I, I'm not super high on Jimmy G, but I don't think I can disrespect him by putting him in the same category as Mark Sanchez. Because, I mean, dude, that's just... Other than those you know, few years... Like, like we talked about where he went to the AFC Championship game and either played Peyton Manning or Tom Brady every time and never won. I just, I can't see, I can't put them in the same category. I, I just, I can't. Uh, you know, his rookie year, they go to the playoffs, they make it to the AFC Championship game, he loses to Indy. And the very next year, he gets to the AFC Championship game again, loses to... Um, he loses to Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And both games were pretty close. You lost to Peyton Manning, thirty to seventeen, and then you lost to Pittsburgh, twenty four to nineteen. And actually, that second year, you beat both Brady and Manning in the playoffs. But again, I, I just Mark Sanchez. He had two good years in the league, his first two, and then after that. I mean, he was... My thing with Sanchez is he ended his career with more interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah. Whereas with Jimmy, it's it's practically a two-to-one ratio. You see, people knock Jimmy, and I get it. He's not like... Jimmy, Jimmy will have his moments where you swear he has money on the game and is trying to lose for the game. Oh, them. yeah. And he'll throw either a stupid pick or it should be a stupid pick, 
and the defender just drops it. But overall, his statistics and looking at his t- touchdown and interception ratio, it's nowhere close to being as bad as oh, no. Sanchez. No, Jimmy has a 72-38 TDINT ratio. There, there's no, there's no comparison. Uh, granted, and, and now you know you look at it. Jimmy's nine years into his career. Granted, three of those were on the bench in New England. You only played in two games, but and you know Sanchez and in those two played, games he was two and zero. Sanchez played for eight years, so I mean their numbers are comparable. I I can't put them together. I just can't. Now I, I get why you would make that comparison, uh, and Jimmy actually won two Super Bowls in New England uh, under under Tom Brady. Yeah, rookie year twenty fourteen, then twenty sixteen with the yeah. with the Atlanta collapse. So some of Jimmy's nicknames: Jimmy GQ. There's another one that I can't say on air, but Prince Aladdin. <laughs> Prince Aladdin. The Great Garoppolo. Oh, the Great Gazzolo. The Great Gazzolo, absolutely. Uh, our, our Jacob Lemonier texted me, there's still time for Jimmy G to butt fumble. Hmm. I, I mean, th- even if even if Jimmy G does butt fumble, I still don't put them together. Jimmy G is a better quarterback. He is. I would have never wanted Mark Sanchez on my team. I would take Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you know Mark's full name? Isn't it like Mark Travis something Sanchez? Mark Travis John Sanchez. Yeah, see, I thought so. I, I, th- I thought he had a double middle name. Weirdo. <laughs> Dub- mul- multiple middle names. Look, I'm not knocking anybody that's got multiple middle names. I mean, do what you will. I just don't get it. Like, why? I mean, the only reason I could think of is if you want to honor multiple people from your family. But, like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, why? But even then, that's depending on what it is, kind of like how Clyde does. Edwards and Hilaire, but that's his last name. Well, that's yeah, that's that's a hyphenated last name. That's yeah, okay, I mean, or, or that's that's more common. That's what I'm saying is it's more common to maybe do like a last name. Yeah, two middle names though. I've never understood that one. It's like Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Thomas Patrick Edward Brady. No, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Is that Tom Brady's name? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's. Anyways. <laughs> Guys, if you need a suit, tuxedo, dress shoes, dress socks, Southern Marsh, whatever you may need, Suit Up has you covered. Fashion tuxedos, suits for all occasions, wedding party specials, and just downright sportswear from sports coats to blazers, dress pants, anything like that. Professional service, and they're going to measure you every time to make sure that it is a perfect fit. There are three locations to serve you. Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey, across from the Chuck E. Cheese. New Iberia on Admiral Doyle, and now in Lake Charles, across from the Prion Lake Mall. Suit Up reminds you to get dressed for homecoming at Suit Up. And when you go, tell them that you heard it on the game. I'll take a time out when we return. James and I will talk more of college football and We'll get you set for the Steelers and Browns tonight right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back is Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So you know, we talked about it yesterday. I love uniforms. New Mexico has announced their uniform for Saturday's game against LSU. And it's pretty clean. So they're going with an all-white look. uh, Red helmet, white jersey, white pants. And the nameplate is in red. And then the Lobos lettering and the jersey numbers are in like a lightish, bluish gray color. It's kind of hard to tell with the lighting. Yeah, in the video, it kind of looks like a bluish gray color, but not nonetheless a, uh, a a solid look. And according to the tweet, it's a brand new uniform for the Lobos. But you know what that means? If the away team is in white. LSU's busting out the purple. Yes, sir. And I, I have heard from multiple sources. Uh, one, one was confirmed via a conversation with a player. LSU will be wearing the white helmet, purple jersey, white pants. Oh. So. Ooh, okay. Busting out the white, purple, white tomorrow night. They've only done it a couple of times. Last time they did it was, I want to say 2020. 2020. Um, they are five and one in that uniform combo. Their one loss was the twenty-four to twenty-one loss to Troy back in twenty eighteen. So again, if if you're a uniform junkie like like I am, you know, I, I live. I, I I don't want to say I live for it, but like when broadcasters give like the fashion report before the games or like teams release uniform videos, you geek out a little bit. I I enjoy it. I rate uniforms. Going back, before we pivot back to college football, I want to talk about Tom Brady. Because you were, you were talking about all of Jimmy's nicknames, and you yeah. talked about Mark Sanchez and Santos. I didn't realize how many nicknames they had for Tom Brady on Pro Football Reference. So let me see if I can guess some of them. Okay. I feel like there are quite a few gimmies. So obviously TB12. Yeah. Um, I've heard some people call him Tom Terrific. Yes. Okay. That's the only two I could think of. Okay. There's also Touchdown Tom. Okay. The Goat. Okay. <laughs> this, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, comeback Kid. Okay. That was more for in his younger career. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one really caught me off guard. The Pharaoh. The Pharaoh? Yeah. Never heard somebody called Tom Brady the Pharaoh. Yeah, me either. I was but like, okay. Okay. And then, uh, sir. Just sir? Oh, wait, the the last part, it says comeback kid or sir. Mm. So I, I don't know if they're interpreting it as comeback sir or just sir in general. I mean... But either way, there are a few that are automatic, but then stuff like the pharaoh <laughs> catches you off guard. The pharaoh. I wonder what, what nicknames they have for Drew Brees. Uh, beast. Other than the breezes. Legend. None. 
Nice. No nicknames on Pro Football Rec. Not for Drew Brees. Nothing for Drew Christopher Brees. Are you kidding me? God, it's terrible. They must have. They gotta have quiet storm for Marcus Colston, though, right? Come on. Probably not. Probably not. Nope. So while while we figure that out, Jerry Jones, I I gotta touch on this, and, and I really hope Martin calls in when when I talk about this. Jerry Jones says that he would welcome a quarterback controversy in Dallas because that would mean Cooper Rush is winning them games. I mean, I guess. So, yes, obviously the owner is going to be happy that your backup quarterback is winning games while your starter is out injured. However, are you really going to pay a man $40 million to sit the bench? No shot. Because I'm not. When Dak Prescott is healthy, I don't care if Cooper Rush is throwing for 500 yards a game. He's putting his helmet on the side and sitting down. There's no shot you don't play Dak Prescott. Trade him. Maybe. Maybe. But if, even then... If somebody wants to pick up that $40 million contract... Yeah, but that dead cap's going to be insane. Oh, no no question. So, I mean, I, I get the point that you would welcome a quarterback controversy because it means that you're winning games. But that's a stupid conversation to have. Dak Prescott started no matter what. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just curious about the dead cap. Yeah, if you try to trade him... Either this year or next year. Next year in 2023, if you try to trade him, his dead cap will be $89 million. $89 million. Oh, my God. But this year, if you try to trade him, it is a $108 million in 800000 Oh, my God. I think, I think the cap space overall is about... Two hundred million. I think that's going to be about the projections yeah. for for the next off season. So the fact that your dead cap would just be alone on a quarterback that you got rid of, Mm-mm. yeah, no shot. No way. <laughs> no way. The Houston Astros play tonight at Camden Yards in Baltimore against the Orioles. The Astros going for win number one hundred. They're at ninety nine and fifty one on the year. Justin Verlander will take the bump, a seventeen and three win loss record with a one point seven eight ERA. He'll go against Kyle Bradish, who is three and seven on the year with a five point oh five ERA. Looking at the lineup, the only noticeable absence from the lineup is Jose Altuve, and Jeremy Pena took his spot. Yeah, Jeremy Pena is going to bat lead off. Uh, Ledmus Diaz is going to play second base and bat second. Jordan Alvarez is going to be in left field. And Yonner Diaz, the call-up from AAA, is going to take the DH spot tonight for the Astros. Yuli Gurriel also getting the night off for the Astros. So is Martin. Oh, Martin Maldonado as well, yeah. Because you got got Dubon out at the nine hole. So one thing that I'm going to look at during this next commercial break and and we'll discuss it in the final segment of the show, is is this the earliest the Astros have struck 100 wins? I think it might be. Because, you know, the, the year they won the World Series, I think they ended up winning 103 games. 
and but they didn't hit the hundred win mark till till right close to the end of the season. So I'm interested to see, you know, is this the earliest they would strike a hundred wins here on on September 22nd? So we'll take a time out right here and uh, we'll we'll look at that and we'll discuss it in the final segment of the show because Hunter Bauer joins us next right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We are joined now by Hunter Bauer, the owner of GoPreps.com, to look at week four of high school football here in Acadiana. Hunter, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on this afternoon. I uh, really appreciate uh, the time uh, to chat about some high school football. So, Hunter, let, let's look at the, the one game on the schedule in our area tonight. You can catch it on MeTV 97.7 FM. It's the Acadiana Wrecking Rams against the Mighty Lions of Lafayette High. Lafayette High is, is a program that has kind of been peaks and valleys over the last couple of years, but they're kind of experiencing a peak right now. They're playing a lot of physical football. They're a good team. Acadiana still running that veer machine. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, a uh, really intriguing matchup. Uh, Coach Figaro just has uh, that Lafayette program uh, turning around quicker than, than I think anybody expected uh, with some, some quality district wins against, you know, usually, you know, teams that are, you know, somewhat competitive uh, in that 3-5A district, especially Sulphur. Um, but, you know, Acadiana, ever since that first week lost to uh, Lafayette Christian, they've been on a roll, uh, only allowing 14 points in the last two games, shutting out Sulphur. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I, I know Lafayette hosts that game, but, um, you know, Acadiana always travels well, just has a, a, a really – always seems like they they reload instead of rebuild. And, you know, some people might say this is a rebuilding year for Acadiana. I don't really see that. Uh, and I think tonight's going to uh, uh, show that um, for uh, for Acadiana. I don't know. You know, it could be close at first, but I can, I can see Acadiana pulling that one out. There's a reason they use that script A from Alabama, right? That's right. You're exactly right. So let's look at a couple of games on the Friday schedule. We'll start with the Cougars of St. Thomas More against the Catholic Baton Rouge. You know, looking at looking at Catholic Baton Rouge, they're just another one of those programs. You talked about Acadiana. They don't rebuild. They reload. And, and STM's kind of the yeah. same way. You lose Walker Howard. Sam Altman comes in at quarterback. You know, it, Altman is is a talented quarterback, but it's not Walker Howard. Where do you see this matchup? Yeah, you know, a lot of people wondered what life without Walker Howard would be like, and you know, so far uh, the Cougars are proven otherwise that you know they they can contend for a state title, um, you know, with with the talent that they have, and uh, you know they've uh, they've gone in and gotten some really. Uh, really quality wins, especially against Brother Martin last week, which a lot of people think Brother Martin could be a stronghold over there in the Catholic League in New Orleans. Um, but, you know, Catholic uh, over there in Baton Rouge is just a different breed. Um, you know, they had a first-week loss 
um, to an out of, a really good out of state team, uh, a close loss. And, uh, and and since then, you know, they've been rolling as well with some quality wins. But you know, this is going to be sort of a you know, I call it a maybe an offensive struggle uh, because I think you're going to have a lot of scoring in this game. Um, but I think the team that you know doesn't come as prepared as they should be. Um, you know, maybe a fumble or an interception might be the difference in this game. Uh, a lot of minimal states are going to have to uh, step aside if you're going to beat a team like Tampa's or Baton Rouge, especially over in their in their neck of the woods. So, uh, but you never can count uh, St. Thomas Moore out. They know how to win those big close games. Uh, I can surely see the Cougars coming out. Of, uh, you know, I don't. I wouldn't really call it an upset win, but it might be an upset to those over there in Baton Rouge. You can catch that game right here on the game, 103.7 in Lafayette. Let's go to the Bar Buccaneers now. They're traveling up I-49 to Pineville, Louisiana. Pineville's got a good program. Barb still recovering from those hurricanes from a couple years ago. Kind of got the wheels turning a little bit here in 2022. How do you see that matchup playing out? Yeah, you know, with uh, with, with with talent like Jamal Levi, wide receiver, and, and a Will McLean at quarterback, Barb is, is definitely. Uh, I think they're they're on their way up uh, after you know suffering through uh, you know a COVID season and, and then or and then a, a hurricane. Uh, in addition to that, so you know, uh, I think the, the, look, their two losses. One was to Karen Crow, which I think is going to be a contender in in that uh, select Division One, and uh, you know that was a two overtime loss to Sam Houston, which was tough. But you learn a lot from that. Um, but you know, I, I really don't think they're going to have any problems going up to the Central Louisiana this weekend and and getting a, a quality win over Pineville. Uh, Pineville's just struggled the last couple years, and. Uh, but this could be a good thing for Barb as well. It could be a good momentum booster uh, going back into district play next week and go to against a good Southside team that beat Karen Crows. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think Barb's going to have no problems uh, beating up the, uh, against the the, the Palmville Rebels. Chat with Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com right here on Crunch Time. Karen Crow, you mentioned suffered that loss to Southside last week, forty-nine to twenty-three. You got to imagine that Tony Corville and his staff are, are hungry to, to get back in the win column. They face a good Sulphur team on the road tomorrow night. Where do, where do you see that matchup? Yeah, no doubt. And uh, man, you know, with the the offensive line that the Bears brought back, as, as well as uh, some 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 top talent in, in those in those uh, skill areas, as far as like you know, Chance Caesar and and, and kids like that. Um, you know, I think they're just going to have too much talent for Sulphur. Uh, I think it might be close. Sulphur might provide some challenges for them early. They may, Sulphur may have seen some things that, you know, played Karen Crow in that loss last week that they could take advantage of. But I think there's just too much firepower there for, for the Bears to, to, to fall this week. Uh, it is a tough road game uh, going into Sulphur. It's a pretty nice atmosphere, a nice stadium uh, with a lot of passionate, uh, with a passionate fan base. So, uh, but, you know, Karen Crow, I, I don't think they're having any problems this week. Um, but you never know. Sulphur's one of those things they love to upset the good teams because uh, they always have great talent as well. But uh, look for Tony Corville and company to get back on track Friday night. You can catch that game on Z1059. Now to a game that I will be on the broadcast team for. Uh, Southside and Nish tomorrow night. You know, Southside coming off that win over Karen Crow. Probably the biggest win in school history 
and you know Nish, good program. They, they they always have have some talent coming out of New Iberia. That matchup is intriguing. I think Southside's favored in this one. What do you think? Yeah, definitely agree. You know uh, that Southside program, although young, they they've really built it up over there, and uh, it, it showed last week in, in that win against Karen Crow and. They even beat a, a good Cecilia team uh, two weeks back and, and played Notre Dame competitively to open the season. So definitely on the right track. But what I'm interested in is, you know, New Iberia's also played a, a host of, of great teams as well. Uh, you know, they got shut out by Westgate, and then they lost to Acadiana uh, in week three. But uh, definitely, you know, props to them for going and playing those tough teams and, and getting that experience and, and, you know, going in to play a team like Southside. They know what it's going to take to win. Uh, but – Again, you know, Southside is just, I think they're rolling right now. Uh, you know, man, I, it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks when they when they play, you know, teams like Barb and Sulphur and then finally Acadiana uh, later, in, in, uh, later in October. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely see Southside winning this one. But I would not be surprised if it's, uh, if it's a close ball game, uh, especially after a, a big win last week over Karen Grove. Maybe a little bit of a hangover, but hopefully. Hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll look past that and uh, get back to business. Let's look at the Vermilion Parish game of the week. It's Vermilion Catholic at Erath. Talk to me about these two programs. Who wins this game? Yeah, you know, Vermilion Catholic is just that program that is, is always a mainstay in, in that in the Class 1A, well, in the new Division, the new division 4 uh, playoff uh, restructure. You know, they're 3-0. Uh, you know, they're one of the ranked teams in the state in, in a couple of polls. They, they've played a, you know, uh, they beat, they shut out Laurelville uh, 28 to nothing last week, and Laurelville was undefeated in ranked. Um, so this goes to show you how strong Vermilion Catholic is. You know, ERAP, they're one of those 3A teams where they just kind of fly under the radar the entire year. Nobody really talks about them, but they always come out with a, with a decent record, and they always end up getting a, a pretty good spot and a good, a good seed in the playoffs. Um, I know Eric LeBlanc. He's uh, he was a former assistant over here at McNeese uh, when I when I worked there, and just a great guy, great coach, uh, knows a lot of X's and O's. Um, so he's definitely gonna have his kids up and ready for for this game um, uh, in a, a home game at that for a, for a very very good Vermilion Catholic school uh, coming into play. So uh, I think that one's gonna be close. I re- I can't really call that game uh, either way, but. Uh, be a big win for Vermilion Catholic power points wise. They would, uh, you know, get four points for just playing ERAF uh, for the playoff, and then you know a win would give them ten. Be a big night for uh, for Vermilion Catholic. And lastly, you know, St. Landry Parish game of the week: Eunice at Northwest Bobcats versus the Raiders. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, uh, man, you know. Eunice is just one of the, again, another school that they kind of fall under the radar, but they're just that championship-winning program. Uh, yeah, I, I like Eunice in that ball game. Um, you know, Northwest is, is another, you know, they're 2-1, and one and, you know, with a win against uh, Northside and, and Beauchamp, um, you know, those are two programs you really don't hear about a lot and uh, can't really gauge on, you know, how good they are this, this season. Uh, but I would have to put, I would have to give it to Eunice uh, this week. They just know how to win, and uh, a lot of talent over there year after year. So uh, Eunice, I think they got uh, the ball game Friday night. Wrapping up here with Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com. Hunter, let's look at the the state as a whole. Who's really 
impressed you so far through the first couple weeks of the season? Who's standing out as maybe a surprise contender? Oh, man, you know, well, long list there. Uh, you know, well, from definitely from over there in y'all's area, Lafayette Christian is one of those that, you know, they they played three games against Class 5A teams already and, and already have three wins against those Class 5A teams. Uh, they go up against a, a really good Ruston team, a uh, Ruston team that's coming to town to play them uh, this week as well. I think that's going to be um, – I think that's going to be a really good matchup. I don't know, and that's another one I can't really call either. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and again, Westgate, you know, three and zero, they have the longest winning streak in the state, uh, state uh, at eleven straight games, and uh, just proven that you know they're probably going to be a contender again in, the, in this new playoff format. Um, you know, a couple of surprises though is really in Class Three A. Um, you know, you've got Union Parish and Sterlington and. Uh, and University Labs, who all lost last week, they were top-ranked teams. Um, you know, Uni- University Labs one and two, uh, which is very surprising at this time of the year, but not too surprising, only because they do play a lot of tough teams and it gets them ready for the playoffs as well. And uh, you know, don't be surprised in my game of the week, Manny and Newman uh, playing up there at Manny. Uh, you've got Arch Manning taking on Tackett Curtis up there, and, and what could probably be the game of the year if both teams show up. Both are undefeated. Uh, Manny's number one, Newman's number two. Um, so that's definitely going to be the game to watch this week. And uh, i tell you what, if Newman doesn't show up uh, and ready to do some business, Manny is going to uh, – it could dominate that game and make it a long night for Manny and his company. So, yeah, just off the top of my head, those, those are a couple of uh, teams to watch out for. And uh, those were a uh, – a few programs that I think are struggling a little bit, but don't be surprised to see them uh, come December down there in the Superdome. Yeah, that Manny Newman game—that's a—that's a game I'm surprised isn't on like national television or something tomorrow night, man. Yeah, you know, I I, I posed that question to a lot of people uh, on interviews and, and podcasts this week, and uh, I I don't understand how anybody didn't pick it up. Um, you know, I, I know there was—I think there was a couple of regional. That reached out, and uh, but I don't know if they just couldn't make it work or whatever. But uh, definitely surprised that uh, you know nobody um, is carrying it. I, you know, I, I would think that would be an ESPN type matchup uh, right there, especially with all the the Division One targets that both teams have. So very surprising, but again, that's going to be a good game to, to keep up with, and um, you'll be able to keep up with the score on GoPreps.com as we update all the football scores Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Uh, throughout the football season, and uh, so be sure to uh, log on to there and, and keep up with your your favorite team sport. Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com joining us here on Crunch Time. Hunter, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Great work as always. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great, Matt. Thank you for your time. And there he goes, Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse of Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by joining the Game Clubhouse. It's 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. We'll take a timeout, and we'll wrap up Crunch Time on the other side right here on the game. 
1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Attention all sports fans. Your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, is back for its 28th year of NFL action. The industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%. BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on your favorite leagues, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, or something else. Maybe you're an NHL guy. Maybe you're a soccer guy. Whatever it may be, they have it for you. Also, hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots with live dealers waiting for you at the tables. Because when it comes down to it, you want a sports book with integrity. You want a sports book that's been around, that has longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that can offer you everything from live betting to the MMA, golf, horse racing, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. All you got to do is call today 1 800 79 BetUS. That's 1 800 79 BetUS, and they're going to walk you through how to set up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. Join now and mention KLWB to get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That is BetUS, where the games begin. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 55 after the hour. This is, if the Astros win tonight, this will be the second fastest they have reached 100 wins. Uh, 2019 was the first. They won their 100th game on September the 18th, so this was four days slower. Interesting tidbit there. Uh, Brown Steelers, James, who you got? I got Steelers, but looking at the poll question, it's leaning towards Browns. We have which is surprising. We have seven votes for Steelers on Twitter compared to the eleven for the Browns. We do have two Steelers comments on Facebook, so it's slightly going to Cleveland, which would make sense. They are the home team. That's very very surprising. Um, I'm just. You know, if Cleveland can hang on and, and, you know, have a decent record when Deshaun comes back, I mean, good for them. But I don't know. The, and maybe maybe I'm looking too much into the Steelers with T.J. Watt now that they don't have T.J. Watt. I'm not sure. But uh, another interesting thing that um, some of our Saints media friends are going to run into. So the Saints travel to London next week for the London game against Minnesota. And multiple members of the Saints media have already said that they're making that trip. So here's the interesting thing. I am not one of them. Well, right. Neither am I. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the interesting thing. Right now in New Orleans, the, the high today was 93. The high in London? 42. You're going to have to bust out those winter clothes for three days just to put them up when you get back. Because you know early October... Dust them off pretty early. <laughs> it's not going to be cold yet. No, it's still going to be pretty warm. You you don't start getting the first little cool snap until mid-October, if you're lucky. But man, I'm ready for it because I am a cold weather guy. I much prefer putting on a thick jacket and being comfortable than 
you know, running out of clothes to take off. It's just me. I don't like to sweat. Want to take this opportunity to thank Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com and Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, for joining us today on this edition of Crunch Time. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Stay classy, Acadiana. You got Acadiana High football tonight on MeTV FM. Thursday night football right here on the game. But before that, the Brian Kelly Coaches Show coming up at 7 o'clock from TJ Ribs in Baton Rouge. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same station, right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.